This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. All right, you ready? Do it. All right, baby. Welcome to the Full Blast. I wasn't calling you baby, <laughs> Ben. Welcome to the Full Blast <laughs> Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader. I'm here with Ben Snoor, of course, obviously. Before we get into it, we're going to do a little bit of business. You know what I'm saying, guys. First things first, Axe Wax. Axe Wax, all-natural food-safe wax for your axe, for your wood, for your steel, for your leather, for anything that you need some conditioning with. Story has it people have been using it in their hair and... Regardless of whether or not it's correct or not, they're using it and it's great and it's all natural food safe. And if you go to axwax.us, put in promo code FULLBLAST10, you're going to get 10% off. And there are a lot of people who hurt. It's global, ladies and gentlemen. Knifematerial.at has it. They're taking FULLBLAST10. Artisansupply.com.au is taking it. They're accepting FULLBLAST10. Uh, NordicEdge.com.au is taking it in FULLBLAST10. Uh, UK Knife Supplies has Axwax. At, and they're taking full blast ten. So get, get yourself some full. And my ne- one of my next reads is going to have an axe wax too. So go get yourself that axe wax. The f- thing that people don't realize is, is it finishes really, really nice. I really think it's a great finish. And using wood, using G10, using uh, anything, it's it's a really great stuff. It's really great stuff, and it and and it smells good. It feels good. I, all my hammers have axe wax on them, and they're it's just a dynamite uh, product. So go get yourself some axe wax. Axwax.us, promo code full blast 10. Next is Total Boat, guys. Total Boat makes paints, primers, epoxies, adhesives, compounds. They're making products originally for sailboat guys and boat boating people and DIYers, and they realized the maker community likes pouring stuff. They like to get messy. So why don't they get messy with our stuff? So they have this great two-part epoxy. They have high-performance epoxy. I've been using their... Um, a high performance two part epoxy for handle scales it works great and the their the containers the pumps are really intuitive especially for knife makers because all of a sudden you don't have to you do a pump here and a pump there and you you don't end up with like a you know a pint of of epoxy you got a pile of you got a nice amount for especially for a set of handle scales so if you go to uh, totalboat.com you put in promo code uh, full blast 10 you're going to get 10% off your order i love 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 the uv cure clear resin and this is how much i love it so you take the, the bottle you squirt a little bit of the uv cure resin in and then you hit it with the little flash they give you a flashlight and it's and it shoots uv uh light and then that hardens the epoxy and that's cra- that stuff is it's crazy it looks crazy it's it, it just looks crazy how here's how much i've used it i've gone through a ton of batteries because I use it all the time. All I do is go through batteries because I'm, I love this stuff. It's great for filling cracks and stuff. It's fast. It's dynamite stuff. So go get yourself that total boat. And, you know, hold, here's some people using it. Keith Decent, Derek Fromalden, Keith Johnson, Keith Mitchell, Jimmy DeResta. They're all using total boat. Uh, even Chris Zepp. Even believe it or not, Chris Zepp's using total boat too. So if you go to totalboat.com, put in promo code FULLBLAST10, you're going to get 10% off all your total boat stuff. Give it a try. See what you think. And tell them you're happy that they're sponsoring the show because I appreciate it for sure. Um, next is a company that I'm really I, I'm really proud of. I'm proud to be sponsored. I'm proud of all the people I, I uh, have as sponsors. But Trojan Horse Forger, two guys making a f- knife finishing vice, the stable rail knife finishing vice. It's really something special. 
I know if you've, if you, you know, a lot of you guys started making knives, you make a piece of wood and then maybe you carve it up and you put it in your, your you put it in your vice and then you're using it to, you know, you, you take a clamp and then you clamp the blade on the thing and then you have to turn it around, take the clamp off and you maybe you have to get another vice. And this is the vice for you. This is the, the one stop shop for vice, for knife finishing vices. You have a plate that bolts to the bottom of the plates that hold the blade and then you can, Clamp it in gently. It supports the blade, and then you can hand sand the blades. You can hand sand distal tapers. You can hand sand uh, uh, curved blades, uh, integral bolsters, anything that needs to be clamped down is secured and supported. The stable rail knife finishing vice will take care of that. And then when you have the handle scales on and you need to kind of do the last finishing touches with it by hand, you sl- turn it around. You put it in uh, that way, and then you can have 360 degrees of access to your handle. And it's with a, with a, with one. It's got like a little locking mechanism, and then you turn it, and then you redo the lock. And it's it's this is a this is a really great. And then when they send it, they ship it in this bomb-proof case with tons of extra pieces, extra rubber, extra pins, extra everything. They they really this is a product that really speaks to. The ingenuity of American uh, production. This is these guys are making these. They know you're. They're knife makers, and they know what you want, and they're giving you something you want. So go to TrojanHorse.com, Trojan TrojanHorseForge.com, and get yourself one of them stable rail knife finishing vices. You won't regret it. And I mean, I need another one. And I talk to the guys. I think I'm getting another one. I hope. Um, they also offer payment plans. There's like a, they hooked up with a company that offers payment plans, so you can do installments. Uh, it's great. I mean, it is dynamite. Um, they are also, so if you put in the, if, when you're buying one, if you put in the promo code, uh, full blast, they're going to give you free shipping in the United States, which is, you know, it's means something. So go get yourself one of them knife finishing vices and, um, Trojan and don't delay because sometimes they don't have, they're not, they're not in stock. They make them in batches and they have them and they don't have them. Um, but they're great, and I appreciate uh, the guys over the Trojan Horse Forge. So give them hell, Trojan Horse Forge. I'm with you. And then the last is I got a really great care package from Maritime Knife Supplies. Lawrence sent me. I ordered some stuff. I ordered some belts, and he sent me a package of stuff. He sent me G10, and he sent me hats and T-shirts and coffee. He makes coffee. They make a rising ground coffee. as dynamite stuff. If you go to MaritimeKnifeSupply.ca, all your knife-making needs will be there. Belts, abrasives, steels, kilns, forges, presses, heat-treating ovens, anvils, whatever you want. They even have axe wax. They even have Laren Thomas's book, uh, Knife Engineering. Go get yourself that. He's got everything. He's thinking about it. He's very supportive of the uh, maker community. He's very supportive of the podcasting community, too. So I just got a message from Lawrence that he just got in 3,900 pounds of steel, and there's more on the way. So go get yourself some of that uh, maritime knife supply. See what's the deal. I, I, and here's the thing about the, the being in Canada. I'm in New York. He's in Canada. He sent me my my shipment, and I got it as fast as if it was in the United States. There was no, I didn't know, there wasn't any customs, that's for sure. And it went through fast, and I got it. He sent it, he put it in the mail. I got it maybe two days after I ordered it, which is pretty awesome. They also have all the TR Maker stuff if you want to look for a, a, a bevel jigs and file guides and stuff like that. They have they have the TR Maker stuff, and he's doing a lot of great things. And if you do get yourself a 10-pack of their abrasive belts, 
he's going to give you 10% off on that pack. So you're going to basically going to get one, one belt free, which is, you know, that's good too. So go get yourself some of that Maritime Knife Supplies at MaritimeKnifeSupply.ca. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you to my sponsors. I certainly appreciate it. You guys have been really supportive and great. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, how can I help Jeff? He doesn't have a Patreon, nor does he want a Patreon. Why doesn't he want a Patreon? Because he doesn't want a Patreon. That's period. Go support my sponsors. You know, you can support my sponsors by by buying stuff from them. Or you can just send them all messages saying, hey, man, I really appreciate you sponsoring Knife Talk. Uh, knife Talk no, not Knife Talk. Uh, Full Blast. I really appreciate you sponsoring Full Blast. And it means a lot, so thank you. That that's helpful too. So do do that, do that, okay? All right, guys, ladies and gentlemen. Without any further ado, your yours and my favorite cowboys here. Ben Snoor's in the house. He's he's sitting back in a beanbag chair. He's ready to raise raise hell. Ben, how are you? I'm good. If I was any better, I think this was a setup. <laughs> ben, I have to tell you, I'm going to say something, and I mean it. I think that you are an underrated blacksmith. Well, thank I've, you. I really believe that you are underrated. And when I say underrated, that's not, me, that's not me saying people don't give you your cred. The things that come out of your shop, especially, I mean, in general, not even recently, in general, are very, very high level. Like, I'm always surprised. Not surprised. I'm, I'm pleasantly and surprised and happy for you. But you are an underrated blacksmith. Well, thank you. You know, the, the, you just recently did besides your, I've never seen, and I'm not Francis Whitaker for Christ's sakes. I I don't know. I've never seen at all of it, but I feel like the stuff that you've been doing, you did a, uh, a bottle opener where you made this like key fitting. You made like a key fitting. Tell me, talk, talk, talk about that. that. Uh, you know, Caleb Coleman, who is a phenomenal blacksmith, he's in Santa Fe, New Mexico. He was doing some wrought iron and mild steel bottle openers. And I just kept looking at his and thinking, there's something more to this. There's something more that could be done. And then somebody else I saw on Instagram was doing a keyhole knife. And I thought, it's it's time to try this in, in metal. And that's what I decided to try it with. And, uh, you know, I think it kind of opened some other possibilities for other, like making knives and other things doing it in that way. Yes. So basically, if you didn't see, he, he had, it, it was like a two part, it was like a two piece, uh, well, two piece construction of a bottle opener. And that they, they the one part was, uh, forge welded wrought iron onto a steel body, regular mild steel body, right? Correct, and I don't think I have even actually just posted a picture of it by itself. It's it, and then when you finished it and you forge welded, I still still to this day, you guys with the forge welding always boggles my mind. But it's it's it was it once you etched it, it made this incredible. I mean, it was really something special. Well, thank you. I I was pretty proud of that, and I like I said, I you know I've been trying to come up with. Things to do ever so often if I got a couple of hours uh, to make reels because I'm primarily an Instagram-based business, and if you're an Instagram business, you got to play their game. Right. I've so, actually, it's good that you said that because I've actually, in the last week, I've really seriously changed my tune. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a, such a piece of shit. I, totally, I was like so anti-reels. And then uh, I got a new camera because my I got a new phone because my 
old phone camera was like in the dirt. Mm-hmm. And I got a new phone and I tried some new things and I was fooling around and I did this one reel and it like shook some leaves. We call it shaking the tree when, when the, in the shop when we have old, you know, but basically, you know, we have an old customer base or new customer base and we refer to shaking the tree. And then when the leaves come out, that's the money. Yeah. So that the reels did something that real, that one reel did something surprising to my customer base. And it was like, it's crazy. It was undeniable that like, it wasn't like I got clout. Like, I mean, you, you want to talk about that. I mean, that's one of the things now you see with a lot of Instagram people is they're gaining followers like monsters. But oh, this, shit. Riley Kirkpatrick got like 130,000 followers in a week. That's a, God bless him. But that's a crazy uh, story. It's crazy as hell. Like, he, I, I don't know what the video ended up finally doing. But the last time I looked at it, it was like 27 million views. It's insane. And it's, it's insane. It's insane, and it's but it's also great. Like I know that like a lot of our friends who do reels, like uh, Chris Cash and and Chris Zepp and and Honor and you, you guys have been like really kind of. I mean, the growth has been really. It's been really cool to see, you know. And I you can see it, and and it, with like Chris and especially Chris Cash and and Chris Zepp. I mean, it was like kind of like doubled, you know, because of their reels. Uh well, and like Riley, it. One of us doing good does good for the entire community. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, a guy that's doing good work and gets popular for doing good work sheds light on all of us who are trying to do good work as well. I'm happy for him because it was like, it was, he does, his reels are great. I mean, the forging is good when he forges the hatchets. And he's got, you know, a beautiful view. He's got his Coke forge going there. It's, it's light out. It's green. He's got that cool ass hammer. I mean, all everything he's got, got some showmanship in there. Everything about it is good. Yeah. It's really good. For, but the, what I, you know, I, I saw all that and, and I, and for me, it's always like, I'm really, I've always been about that. This is about a business. Like I really want this to be a business. The Fader Knives to be a business. Mm-hmm. So like part of me wants to embrace it, but at the same time, I don't want to be shucking and jiving and not saying that these guys are, but I mean, in my mind, I don't want to do it myself. But then I did a reel and then all of a sudden I'm getting calls from the office saying, what happened? What did you do? Because it was like, it was a subs- like old customers who just happened to be looking and new customers being, a uh, you know, it was like, this past week was ridiculous. I mean, like, I invested in, like, more stuff in the shop just because it was, like, like it's undeniable for me, for this thing. But the funny part was, it was like, I'm not going to do this. What do I need more followers for? I don't give a shit about that. And it wasn't, like, a more followers thing. It was, like, my customers really liked seeing these reels or new customers wanted to see reels. Yeah. And it was, like, I activated these people with something well, that I actually Well, and, you have. know, the way the algorithm is, there's so many of these people that are following, you know, 1,000 or 2,000 people. And if you're just putting pictures, you're, the algorithm is not putting you on their feed. And the, yeah. they're pushing reels so much that if you have a decent reel, it's going to show up on their feed. And maybe they'd forgotten about you or whatever, but now they've brought you back to their attention. 
I like it because I like it because I, I with with you know I activated an already existing fan base to buy with that yeah. customer base I should say and that was enough for me that was just like you know when I got the phone call I was just like what happened what did you do and that was like all right all right then the, the, it was like it was an immediate we had like an emergency meeting you know emergency <laughs> office meeting because it was like undeniable so that was one thing but one thing I guess I. You know, I'm getting these messages from Instagram saying, you know, you could monetize your reels. And it's Do like, it. I don't want, to, I don't, I'm not going to, I don't want to be involved with a bounty. Like, it's Why like, not? Because I'm not going to make a million views. I'm not going to do. I'm not going to get you a don't, million, one. A, you don't know views. that. And two, even if you get, if you have a reel that does 15,000 views, you're getting, you're then getting paid a hundred dollars for something that you were going to be doing anyways. 15,000 views. I thought I needed like a million views. No, to get, to get a hundred dollars, it's something like 15,000 views. So if you do 15 reels and they get a thousand views a piece in a month, you're getting a hundred bucks. If you do one reel and it does 15,000 views, there's a hundred dollars for a reel that you were going to be doing anyways. That's bizarre. No, it's, uh, that's their incentive to, for people to do these reels is pay them. All right. I thought it was like much more. I thought it was a much no, more. No, I mean, you can, you can, if you get 11 million views, you can get $1,200 a month. Or then there's like another pay scale that, you know, Riley Kirkpatrick and, and Chris Cash are on where if you get 85 million views, you get $8,500 a month. And then I also heard a rumor that there's another pay scale that you can make $35,000 in a month. All right. Yeah, I mean, you, I, <laughs> I mean, it's like I'm a whore. I mean, why? I mean, yeah, why would you go ahead and monetize it if you're going to be putting them up anyways? You make a good point there, Ben. You make a good point. I, I thought I was trying to be uh, rebellious on the whole situation, and I'm just a flea bag like everybody else. Oh yeah. So. God, yeah, damn. we're all whores. But in the me- I mean, in the meantime, back to the back to the story. You know, you you one of the things that uh, another one of the things that I what you did that was really awesome was. Um, the swivels, the forged in swivels. I'd never seen that before. You know, and that's something I actually did the first one of those pretty damn early on whenever I started blacksmithing. I was building a twisting wrench and I kind I wanted a hook that however I kind of was trying to hang it would, would hang. And, and that's how I came up with it. And then was trying to come up with ideas for reels and, and thought it, doing some pipe and that led to a fire poker and then the fire poker turned into making some nunchucks and yeah so good but i mean that's the innovation that i i I mean i don't know i don't know how i mean i don't know where you mean if you came up with that idea on your own or maybe you were inspired by it but i mean it was such a great one i haven't seen anywhere else i've never seen that before like i remember writing you a message saying i'd never seen that before and it was such a cool feature because you have and like you can't take blacksmithing classes where they are taking pipe and you're using a, a um like a fullering tool to kind of like indent it yeah. And then you can make like, you know, for candlesticks and stuff like that. And then you can twist them too. You know, the twisting, twisting square tubing and stuff oh, like yeah. that. But, yeah. but I'd never seen it used like that way. And it just seemed like it's such a great, a great idea. Well, thank you. I like the, I like the, the, the thought, and maybe this has something to do with it all, was because you have a, you have a job, you're able to kind of make this stuff that is fun for you. They make they're, it makes you know it makes, I'm, it takes I'm a lot having, of pressure off of it. 
I'm having to make my, and that's the thing that reels is kind of done for me is usually I'm making the same thing. It's kind of like you, I'm, I, I would call myself sort of a semi-production hammer maker. Right. And I'm just making a few of the same thing. You know, there's a couple of different models, but it's essentially the same thing over and over again. And the reels, you know, everybody's seen a hammer made now, if you follow blacksmiths a thousand times. Yeah. And so it's kind of, it's given me an opportunity to, opportunity to play with other things and ideas I've got that I ordinarily just wouldn't sit down and do. Yeah. And, but you're giving yourself the time to do them. Yeah. And of course, trying to film it, it makes everything take three times longer, but. I don't know how you, you know. figured out how to do all the filming because your filming is always very good. How'd you uh, figure it out? Trial and error. Oy, that's it. Yeah. Trial and error. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, it always looks so smooth and, and uh, I've, I, a, I've got a good editing app that I pay, like I ponied up money for a good editing app and that makes a lot of difference. So it, you can edit off your phone. Yo, oh yeah. I'm doing all this on my phone. And it's simple. I'm using a GoPro to film it. Oh. GoPro puts it on my phone and then. And then I'm also, even though I hadn't gotten around to doing it, I've got my little YouTube channel with a whopping two videos on it. I'm filming all of it in a format that I can then edit it to make a YouTube video as well. Look at you. So trying to kill two birds for, well, I'm trying to. But yeah, trying to kill two birds with one stone. The hard thing about all those videos, and I've talked to Riley a bunch about it, because he's doing kind of a long form reel as well. Is it so hard to edit, you know, an hour-long process or a two-hour-long forging process down to 90 seconds or less? And really, it needs to be 60 seconds or less. Right. But it's hard to edit all that that goes into it down to that amount of time and still have it somewhat flow to where you can tell what's going on. You can tell the transformation of the metal into whatever the final product is. P.S. In your numchuck video... The fact that you, the, I think that the, the, the great takeaway was that first hit where you hit it and it kind of like boomeranged into the coal fire. Yeah. That was a, that was a fucking strong move. Oh, uh, that was, that was taken away from Riley, putting, trying to put some showmanship in there. And, uh, let's see, Thursday, I was working on another project that I, I have tried to make this project. 12 or 15 times since I started blacksmithing. It's the first thing I ever wanted to make. I failed yet again, but I had a, I've still got a banger intro for the video if I can ever actually finish the project. I'm not even going to ask or for a teaser of what it is because I want to be surprised when you finish it all off. It, it will look a lot less complicated than it is to make. Very good. Very good. But yeah, Howard- it is it has kicked my ass over and over and my buddy Jack Kraft was over here and he got to throw me just see me throw a hissy fit whenever I f- repeatedly failed at it. See that's the thing is the 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 for, the setting up for the forging just seems like so when you're doing your video you set the GoPro up and then it's filming the whole process and then you No, kind of like- I'm I cuz you can control your GoPro from your phone. So I'm stopping and starting it. I'm moving the camera, you know, over to the power hammer, over to the press, or over to the anvil, trying to get a different angle of the anvil if I'm, you know, forging on the horn or on the face of the anvil. I'm right. I'm kind of moving it pretty often, and it just makes everything take forever. 
It sounds like it's, I mean, it sounds like it's such a production. And then, you know, I, I try so hard to make a good video and I throw up a little shitty dumb video that's now got 3 million views with, it's a shitty video with shitty music and people love it. What's the, what's the video with 3 million views? That's me punch. It's the hammer eye punching. Oh, and I mean, it, it went to 3 million videos like 10 minutes, or 3 million views 10 minutes ago. That's insane. I mean... It's, there's no rhyme or reason to what will hit on a reel. What do you think... Do you think that people are just... They've never seen this kind of stuff before? I mean, if you were to really kind of think back... I mean, Neil Kamamura was the first guy to, like, really be this Instagram viral person, you know? What do you think people are looking for? What do you think that makes it interesting for people? Is it the hot steel or is it just the, like the I, people just are not used to seeing how axes and hammers are made? I honestly have no idea. I it's couldn't crazy. tell you. I don't get it. I don't get what hits and what doesn't. I mean, I just search me. And on the other side of things, you have these disgusting videos of people slurping on food. And that gets just about the same amount of views. Like you see these people with crab claws and they're sucking on these crab claws and they're making sex noises while they're eating food. Those get, those people love watching those too. The Instagram, Instagram thinks you like different things than it does me. Because for some reason, all it wants to <laughs> show me is people's fucking cat videos. <laughs> well, I, for some reason, I get like these, like, I think it's called crumb bang. I did a whole thing a bit on it one time. And it's like this... It's ASMR, but of people like eating and making slurping noises. For some I can't reason, stand ASMR. Yeah, it's not good. Oh, it's horrible. It's so, every sound that I hate mixed but, in together. But here's the problem: people fucking love it. Like there, there's, there's the people there's, are weird. People are there's a there are strange things that people love, and ASMR is one of them. And it's usually women, like whispering. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. ASMR is not. Whatever. I, well, you can say, there are people who used to say ASMR was for people. When I was a kid, I needed when I needed to sleep, I'd have the TV on low, and that would allow me to sleep. I said that. You know, I said that I, I need the TV on. Some of these people are just like, well, ASMR helps me sleep. But it's usually like this, some woman whispering into a microphone. And, you know, and then it's like, all of a sudden, you're getting all horned up. That's really what it well, is. Well, you know, I, I first heard of asmr at all i believe on knife talk podcast when y'all were talking about it so then i had to go figure out what the hell is this asmr i find these youtube videos and generally it's like pretty scantily clad good-looking women right whispering and like rubbing paper together and it just i yeah right up on the microphone you're pretty good looking but i would only watch your video with the volume off (laughs) which I I don't know. I couldn't do it. It's a, there. There are strange things that people love, and there are these. There now you're starting to see these characters. Like when my kid and I talk about the different like like Instagram characters who say the same things all the time. There's this one like tall, ganky, gangly uh, pizza guy from like the Massachusetts area, and they have the same song. And he's he's got like a mullet, and he says he'll he'll. 
he'll just look lovingly into the he's a strange looking guy he got big ears and just a long he's a strange looking guy and he just looks longingly into the camera while he's making pizza and it's he's got like three million followers and then he'll say he's a, he'll, they'll go they'll do another video where he's behind the pizza counter and he'll, he'll say hey hey man hey my man where are you from oh down the street what can i get for you and then they'll say oh i want a pepperoni and he goes you want a side or you want a corner and then he'll look at them like this is the most important question they'll ever have to answer. I don't even know what go, that okay. means. You know this guy's name Sally Slices. Go check uh, him out. Um, I don't understand to be honest with you because it's the same strange. And then he'll and then he, and then he'll take the pizza because it's like grandma slice, like Sicilian, and he'll put it on the plate to get it ready in the oven. And then he'll do this kind of like Dominus Omnis Pope thing over the over the over the pizza, and it's just like I can't understand it. Like I can't get it. I don't understand any of it. There's this other guy in New York. His name's Little Mo Mozzarella. He's just kind of like, I, I would assume that he was like a union guy, like a union worker, and he's a ball breaker. And he goes, hey, what do you want to do? And he just, you know, he says these catchphrases. And, and uh, I was talking to my kid about it, and I was just like, what is it with these people with catchphrases? And my kid goes to me, she's like, well, what about you, Mr. I'm with you? Don't you think, I mean, what are you? She's not wrong. A, I said, you've been doing a catchphrase for a long time. I said, you do a catchphrase all the time. I said, yeah, but I'm not like standing in front of the, uh, then all of a sudden she's like, I just saw your last reel. You said, I'm with you. I'm like, okay, never mind. I'm done. I'm, you're right. You're right. How are things on the ranch? You know what? We are getting rain right now, and it has been a long time since we've had a rain like this, and it just makes it makes my soul feel good. How? When was the last time it rained? Uh, you know, we've gotten we've had like three inches or something like that since last August. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, it is about as dry as it's ever been. I was going to complain because New York has gotten no rain at all. I mean, with this summer, everything's dead. Everything's dead. Uh, oh, uh, it it start, It looks like the moon out here. It It's just... But even though this rain's going to grow us a little grass before winter, it's not going to be, be enough. I'm going to have to sell a bunch of the cows. But it still just makes me feel good getting rain, smelling it. Uh seeing the little bit of grass that is green perk up at it it's just such a good feeling so if it rains hard like this what does it mean for you uh, this is not a hard rain this is it's started raining last night rained all night sprinkled off and on all day it's it's just it's kind of rain we need and i've actually got a bunch of equipment out here doing dirt work and it's kind of the ideal we rain we needed for that to pack the dirt in huh but i mean does it make your life easier rain or uh yeah, for the most part, because, I mean, then you're not having to buy hay. If you've got grass, then you don't have to buy hay and feed it out to the cows right. and the horses and all that. Right. So, yeah, it's, if if you get rain, that's free food. But one big, long rain, or you need, like, lots of intermittent Oh, rain? we need we need a lot of rain. I mean, we're, we're in a 20-year drought, right? 30-year drought, maybe. Basically, we were in a bit of a drought. 2010 was a really good year that and then after 2011 it basically has not rained since then hmm. that's crazy uh, you know you have an oddball good year like our last spring and summer was was pretty dang good but it's not a consistent rain like it we need or like it should be this particular year has been bad for a lot of pro there's going to be a, a lack of sriracha sauce you know sriracha uh, that's going to be a you bad can't get topo chico 
there's going to be a, a lot of companies that were affected by the the fact that there wasn't a lot of rain this year. That uh, you yeah. know, like like sriracha chilies, they have a they had a real problem with the with the uh, that was a whole thing about all these things that are affecting uh, by the rain. Yeah, okay. I mean, people, uh, you know, if you're in the city all the time and you're just going to the grocery store, a lot of people don't think about where that food comes from. Right. Somebody has to grow all of it. Yeah. Oh, that's... Now, you were, uh, we were talking beforehand and you, you, had, you said that you had some stories, some cowboy stories. I do. You wanted to... So on Instagram, I had posted a picture of my granddad and a guy named Bill Miller, and I nobody knows that remembers the, the other fellow in the picture's name, and they were loading a live mountain lion that they had caught and tied up and had it gagged onto a horse. And it just kind of brought up how wild that is and how different times were when they were doing that. And they still do some of that. But I, there, are some, there are some better stories than just that picture. Go ahead. So I'll I'll start with one, and my dad and Rick were little. I think and Rick my, was written. Just to back it up, everybody, Rick, you have to go back. Rick. You have to go back to the the first episode I I, I interviewed uh, Ben, and this is a couple years ago. Uncle Rick was nuts. Died in a hel- helicopter accident. He was he, nuts. He Uncle peed Rick on your boots. Was nuts. Uh, you got to go he, back. Yeah, got to go back to find out about Uncle Rick. Okay, so Uncle Rick. So my dad and Uncle Rick were getting ready for school, and I think Rick was like four or five, and my dad was would have would have been eight or nine. They were getting ready to school. One of you know, and I'm going to say Mexican a fair amount in this these stories because that's who they hired. They were illegal aliens that came across the border, went and bounced around ranches, and just needed work. But they, right. you know, I don't mean that in any sort of bad way. But they are Mexican people. They are from Mexico. Right. So. And I, and you know, at this point, it's been so long ago, like my dad doesn't remember their names. They were just a hired hand and I can, I'll try to tone it down, but I'm not trying to say it negative. It's of just course. who they are. Right. So the Mexican fella showed up at the house. I, my granddad with a message, y'all bring the truck. They had an old beat up Willie's pickup with a lion cage in the back of it said, bring the truck with the cage in it. We've got this lion caught. We need you to bring it so we can get him in the cage and they would catch these lions live so then they would turn them out and the dogs would get used to chasing after a live lion and ideally they would then tree that lion catch it again and bring it back and be able to do it a few times and sometimes the lion would get away just completely get away so anyways they, she looked grandma loaded up my dad and Rick, they drove up off up this Can canyon. Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. How hard is it and how elusive are the... I was under the impression that these mountain lions are so elusive that, like, finding we'll one is impossible. We'll get back to that. Okay. So, because that, that comes back to just more of the lion hunting stories. Okay. Uh, so, she loaded up the kid boys. They drove up this canyon, got to where they had this lion treed. Grandpa had got a rope around its neck, and so whenever you got a lion treed like that, you jerk it, you kind of choke it down with the rope around its neck, once pull it out of the tree. One man grabs a hold of the tail, which is, you know, a, a big cat tail like that is a, a bunch of muscle. And so you got a guy, this Mexican fellow on the tail, Grandpa's got, 
choking it out and then he's trying to get a string around its front leg because once you've got a string on its front leg and you've got it by the tail then you've got some control over it and so they're all standing there he pulls the lion out of the tree the guy grabs the tail the lion starts to come to as he's grandpa's trying to get the front foot tied up and once that lion growls he that fella just turns loose of that lion it climbs straight up grandpa's face the dogs knock rick over the lion runs right by rick and right back up into the tree and grandma got really mad at this guy for letting go of the tail mad enough that she just said get out of the way i'll do it and so the next time uh he chokes it out, pulls it out of the tree. She gets a hold of that tail, and by God, she doesn't let go, and they get it tied up and into the cage. Grandma. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> that, but because, I mean, I know what my, I know when we, I mean, I'm not trying to make a comparison, but when we have to trim the nails on one of our cats, I mean, it is a dangerous operation. If you don't uh, have him right, you're fucked. They say holding on to that lion's tail is like holding on to a 220-volt wire. I mean, it is just <laughs> everything you can do to hang on to it. Because how much do they weigh? they got to weigh like, like 150 pounds, right? Yeah, they're pretty big. They're pretty big, and they're all muscle. So uh, how much damage did it do to your grandfather? Uh, so they got the lion into the cage. Grandma had to drop the boys off at their grandparents and then drive him 50 miles into town to go get his eye stitched up. What a story that must have been. What happened? Yeah. Uh, you know, mountain lion. <laughs> mountain lion. Jesus but, Christ. But, you know, I was talking to my dad about it before, and he said, you know, we see that picture of them tying that lion up, and to them, that's just part of the job. Like, it wasn't any big deal. And even if you had to pack it out on your horse, you got a horse that you, has been lion hunting a you know, 30 times, they kind of get used to that smell. He said the the sound of that lion, even with the gag, is what really would booger a horse, though. I bet. And start making nervous, because it's got a stick wired in its mouth, and it's growling the whole time. Oh, my God. And it's just a, it's just a murder machine. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is built for killing. And then, uh, back to your question about how hard it is. Apparently, everyone hated to go hunt lions with my granddad because you would leave at first light as soon as it was light to see you were on a horse the dogs were out tra- you were trailing your dogs he notoriously never took water anywhere and he also generally never took food if he took an apple for lunch everybody was lucky and you got to split that apple and you might be out there for 10 or 12 hours and never find anything huh why do you think that was why what part? Why the, well, he wouldn't bring anything with him? I he's don't just too know. too heat up? You wanted to be just like not I, thinking about eating? I don't know. And I mm. asked my dad. He's like, I don't know. He just, he just never took water. You know what? Maybe the food thing was because maybe the animal would, the, the, the mountain lion oh, no, would it had nothing. It had nothing to do with the lion. Oh, okay. It was just, you know, we don't need to eat. We're not going to, it's either, we're, we don't need to eat. We're not going to be gone that long or it's not going to kill you one day to go without some food. There you go. That's the takeaway. Uh, now, another lion hunting story. Is Can I ask grandpa- a question? Yeah. Would you, would your, would, how, how often would he go lion hunting, and was he 
Was he taking people? Was it a now, part of his business? There's or? an interesting thing. So he, I think he kind of went lion hunting on the hopes of coming across a trail pretty regularly. Ideally, somebody, a neighbor or somebody would call him and say, hey, we saw a lion. Or, you know, we saw him. Here's where we saw him. Or they found a kill, a fresh kill, and then they could get on the trail right then. Right. But... A lot of the times it was just going out and hoping he'd stumble on a lion trail. But as far as people he uh, took hunting, you'll appreciate this one. He took Casey Stingle, manager of the Yankees hunting one. Yes. Uh, And my great-granddad was a big baseball fan, so every time he went, took him hunting, he brought him a baseball signed by the whole Yankees team. So I have then ended up with a Mickey Mantle, Yogi Berra, ball with the whole rest of the team and it's one of the kind of oddball balls because casey signed it himself you you have that ball i do i need a picture of the ball i'll do it uh, that's gotta be like one, that's a sotheby's situation uh, it's big time now the the thing that kind of sucks is my grandmother lacquered it to preserve it <laughs> But I've also read <laughs> that right. that was kind of common practice back then, and they can almost kind of use that with what kind of lacquer they had to like make it like it's it's very obvious that this was an original ball. There's no way you could forge the right. aging of that right. lacquer on there. Right. Uh, and might I add that Grandma grabbed a mountain lion by a tail. She wants to put a, a very valuable <laughs> ball and some 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 varnish. She can do whatever the hell she wants. You know what uh, I mean? I'm Another, not telling her no. He took a, he also took a Supreme Court Justice William O'Donnell, William O. Douglas hunting. Jeez. So tell me so 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 you got the the next story the next story I interrupted you. He was you had another yeah. he said he didn't bring any he doesn't bring anything with him. So on another trip and he was out there by himself with these dogs and he had this dog Blackie it was his like his favorite dog, his best lion dog, and they'd gotten on a trail. And Blackie had, tr- we're going to quote unquote treat him. He ran this lion into a small cave, and Blackie went into the cave after him. Uh-oh. And so the only guns that they took lion hunting is a surpri- shockingly small gun. They packed a Ruger single six, 22 mag revolvers. So it's a, it's a 22, you know what? You know much about guns, like not the size really. of a twenty-two bullet. It's I know a twenty-two small. is smaller than the thirty-eight. That's all I know. Yeah, it is a very small gun, and so that's what they packed. And so he's outside of this small cave. He hears Blackie in this line going after it. And had the dog not gone in there, he'd have just started like lighting brush on fire and throwing it in there, trying to smoke him out. But because his good dog was in there, he was going in after it. Oh my god! So he crawls in. <laughs> He's got his pistol out, and all he's got is a book of matches for oh, light Jesus once Christ. he gets in there. So like he's having Bugs to Bunny. light. <laughs> yeah. He's having to light matches with, pick up his gun, try to shoot till it goes out, light another match. And so he sure enough got it done, and him and Blackie made it out of there. Oh, my God. Why would they bring <laughs> such small guns? Do you small don't want to hole, ruin it? or Small hole in the hide. Right. Right, 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 right. That's crazy. Uh, and did Blackie uh, get any? Blackie I, was Blackie. I mean, smoke? he survived. I think he was a little hurt, but he he 
live to live to keep hunting. Damn, Blackie's a badass too. Between Blackie and your grandma, I don't know who who's tougher. <laughs> your grandfather well, like knows how to pick them, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He does. And another interesting thing about that guy in the picture that I posted, the guy on the horse whose name yeah. is Bill Miller, is he had a lion that he raised from a kitten named Fagin. And Fagin, once he got a little older, wanted to hunt. And so what they'd do is they'd roll a tire down the hill and let him loose. And he'd go after that t- tire and kill it. Jeez. No, back <laughs> so, to the question about elusive, how elusive these are. Because, you I mean, you yeah. hear... I mean, I remember I had you and, and, and Jonathan Porter on, and you guys yeah. were talking, trading stories, and basically saying you thought you saw something. Yeah. How hard is it to see a mountain lion? <sighs> You know, I've seen them, like, whenever I, some of the times I had to fly around with Rick in the helicopter, seeing them from the air like that is a little more common. But, you know, they're a skittish animal. They're going to try to avoid people. And they're very, I mean, they're they're stealthy. They blend in. They're quiet. It's pretty hard to see them. Uh, but also back then, this would have been in the 40s and 50s. People hadn't been in this part of the world. There weren't near as many people there. Huh. They hadn't been there for very long. So they were a lot more prevalent. But, yeah, I mean, as time has gone by, they've, they've gotten to be more and more elusive. Now, were they eating? I understand. I'm under the impression that you can eat mountain lion. I'm pretty sure you can eat about anything. I mean, of course you can. I'm, I'm under the impression that it was like a, it was, it's, a, it's, it's a delicacy to some. They, I don't think hunters. they were eating lions. They were, they were mainly doing it to protect their livestock. I mean, hell, a lion will kill a horse given the opportunity. Damn sure kill calves. Uh, they'll kill. You know, they were some of those guys had angora sheep out there, and those were a particular treat for a lion. I mean, they'd go after them all the time so it was it was largely protecting their livestock how many how many uh lions do you think your grandfather hunted hunted or killed that's a whole different deal killed yeah yeah you're Uh, right you're right you're right you're right you know what that's a good question i i would i couldn't tell you i'd say over 30 over 30 wow over th- and you still have some of the uh is your grandfather nope. still around? No, he and and we not exactly the most ideal family situation with uh some of the other kin folk, but we basically have not got a whole lot from my grandfather or grandmother All on right. my dad's side. They uh, get the stories. Yeah, it, it, we got the stories. We hadn't got any of his cool guns or anything like that though. I did get my grandfather when my grandfather passed he was a he was an avid hunter deer hunter and he I ended up with his Winchester I have his Winchester in storage and it was one of the Winchesters I don't know which lever action lever action like just 30, like the movie have an oct is the barrel octagon mm, or is it round I believe it's round okay the and it was made in the were... Connecticut in the Connecticut factory Oh, of course. Hell, they were all made in the Connecticut. No, apparently they were like swapped oh. out to Japan or something like that. Yeah, but that was pl- later. Yeah, later. This was. Yeah, yeah no, this if was... it's an old one that was your granddad's, I, it was definitely one of the, the old American made ones. 
and the problem was I, I years ago I took it to get just cleaned up. I mean, I've never even shot it before. I get a, I took it to a gunsmith to clean it up. And my grandfather had put in these like bolts into the wood of the stock so he could put a, a sling around it. Yeah. And the guy told me if your grandfather hadn't done that, this gun would have been worth a lot of money. And so I was just like, ah, well, this, I'm getting yeah, who cares anyways? That's yeah, who like, cares anyway? Know, yeah, who cares anyway? My granddad anyway? had some octagonal barrel Winchesters. He had a 300 Savage. He had a four gauge shotgun. Uh, and I do, and it, just some incredible pistols. And I'd like to have, you know, I don't care what they're worth. I'd like to have something that he packed around. Yeah, well, that's what I got. I got this yeah, and it's, Winchester so, that's really so the like, value of it. The gunsmith, you know, kiss my ass, dude. Well, it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was cool. It's, it's the, really the only thing that, that, that I have from him. And he used to go, the co- interesting thing about my grandfather on my mother's side was he would go on these hunting trips up in Saranac Lake and up in the, up in, uh, not Saranac Lake, up in like the Allagash and all these kind of up north. And he'd have these hunting parties, but his whole move was he would bring a suitcase full of like this fancy food and he'd prepare these huge hunting dinners. And it was like he was the first guy to, that I ever knew that was making paella. He was making paella and these oh, hunting really? lodges. Yeah, he he was big into um, these camp cooking f- things, and he had all these friends of his, and they would he would have this huge trunk full of you know canned you know special specialty foods. And so it, it was these... more of like a gentleman's hunt instead of like we we got to have some food. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's how I always liked uh, when I go. I used to, uh, I guess, ten years ago, my friends and I would go on these fishing trips, and we would get a, lo- a cabin and we'd go fly fishing, and 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 then we'd I'd make I'd do what my grandfather did, and I would make sure we had these like very luxurious dinners and stuff like that. I always kind of that was my favorite part of of all these trips. But yeah, it was my grandfather used to go deer hunting, and then with these guys, and then they would have these you know, elaborate meals at the, at the lodge. And he would, it was kind of like, he was born in Italy. So there might've been like a good fellas kind of thing too, but it was all very like high level, but that was always the fun thing was the cooking for camping. Yeah. That that's a good move. Yeah. Strong move. Yeah. Cause you know, you're drinking and everything like that, but then you're all of a sudden you're like eating high on the hog. Yeah. It's kind of, especially if you get skunked, I guess it's, it's the thing. Do you, do you ever do any hunting? You know, I'll kill some coyotes or some feral hogs, but for the most part, I don't. I I don't want to eat a deer. And you I, can't eat the hogs, right? That you said that they taste. I bad. won't. I, some people do. I won't eat them. It, they're just tough and they're gross and they're cannibals. And I, yeah, uh, not good. No, not good. So I thought Ben's here. We caught up. We caught up some things. I have some st- weird stories that I love. thought maybe we could talk about if you wanted. Or... I love weird stories. What'd you say? I said I love the weird stories. All right, I got weird stories. Now, what you're gonna, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read them off, and if you want me to go, we go. Some of them yep. will be good. Some of them we can do something with. Some of them we might be able to not do something with, but that's just the way it is. Uh, I, I now I've been starting to catalog weird stories, and I've been kind of cat organizing them too. But one of my favorite weird stories are smuggling news. I love smuggling. Smuggling for probably is one of my favorite stories. I have some of those too. But the first one is, and you see what you think is, man from Florida. I always go for when I'm looking it's for always news, Florida man. I look for weird stories in Florida, weird stories in Texas, and weird stories around the world. Florida always get, it's always drugs with Florida. A uh, man in Flo- a Florida man, uh, woman was a Florida woman was arrested for calling nine one one 
over 12,000 times to taunt officers. You want this one? I, my interest is peaked. Okay. This is a fucking bizarre story. So Florida woman arrested for calling... All right, pop-up ads. No, thank you. Okay, a Florida woman has been arrested after she called 911 more than 12,000 times this year alone to, quote, harass and cuss out and degrade emergency call takers in St. Petersburg Police Station. Uh, so, uh, uh, in a statement uh, from uh, Carl, Carl, uh, Carla Jefferson. Uh, Car- oh, no, in a statement. Carl Jefferson dialed 911 12,512 times accounting for 10% of the calls to the precinct. A 51-year-old woman has been detained after making 12,911 calls in a year alone to annoy and insult the police. According to the statement, uh, Carl uh, Jefferson of Pinella County reported phones. Uh, to, yeah, According to the police reports, Jefferson called them. He's writing it over and over again. Uh, this is not a simply a case of someone occasionally calling the cops or, you know, whatever, abusing the system. We've never had someone cross the line as blatantly as unacceptable manner uh, was told. The precinct claims that she once called in 512 times in a 24-hour period solely to leave vulgar and threatening or filthy comments. In addition to dealing with emergencies, first responders had to deal with her aggressive calls, which held up the line for far too frequently for cops to step in, uh, for co- cops to step in. Her calls were kind of getting in the way of our capacity to help normal people who need police assistance. Jefferson was defa- detained for the, uh, for the identical defense early in June and is presently out on bail. She's received a notification warning that any more calls will resort in legal action. The lady claimed, um, demanded that the police arrest her after getting an affidavit because she loves playing this game, quote. She loves playing this game and phoned the station. In the end, she was charged with three misdemeanor uh, misdemeanors for pestering the cops and abusing 911 operators. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know what to say to that. Yeah, You're I don't just either. an asshole. I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand harassment. I don't and understand specifically harassment. of 911 operators who are not officers and right. just people doing a job. That's right. It's it it's it's so bizarre. And it's just it's just very clear that this is mental illness. I mean, there I, are people it, who that's all it can be is mental illness. Mental illness. I, they didn't mention that though. You know, I think that you know, well, Florida you mental illness lines. and drug use is two different yeah. things. You know, I don't, I don't know, babe. Yeah, I, I, have you ever been harassed? Have you ever been harassed? Me? Yeah, by like a no. phone call or any phone callers. I'll just see shit old shitty telemarketers trying to get me to buy car insurance. Extended car coverage. Extended warranties. I, you know, I'll tell you a funny story. I had, uh, I, uh, I was getting emails from a person for years, and they were weird, and it was pigeon, and it was like a little bit of me, and it was a little bit strange. These strange emails for years, and I could never, I could never find out who it was. And they were like targeted at me, and it was like bizarre and i couldn't understand it and for years i mean did anything ever make sense was there like a subject to them or a running they were of any sort like broken english weird things and then something about my life would be entered into it and it was bizarre I could oh yeah it's probably that nigerian prince Shit no this is way better bank, than bank account w- number way better than that okay after 10 years 
turned out to that be my, long. Turned out to be my business partner Tony. <laughs> he came up with a. He, he came up. This is how fucking great this guy. Oh is. man, I love the long play. Oh my god, dude. Oh, that's this, so good. My business partner Tony is the long play monster. So for ten <laughs> years, I would get a weird email. And it was from the same guy. I think I don't remember the name. I, I wish I remembered. It was like it was like uh, Fl- I was like Flavio Morales. That's who it was, <laughs> Flavio Morales. And I was like, and it was like I can't even I can't even like r- express to you how weird and bizarre they were. And then one day I was talking. He and I were out for drinks or something like that, and we were talking about something. Like and I said, you know, I'm getting these emails from this fucking Flavio Morales. And he goes, Oh yeah, that's me. And it was like, fucking 10 years you've been doing this to me? He's like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have. I, oh, I, man. I he, love that. He created an email account, and he just started like every every few months, I'd get a fucking Flavio Morales email. Now, on your side, weird. why did you never block the person? This is before blocking, I guess. Okay. I mean, this is, we're talking like, you're talking 2001, <laughs> 2002, and I was like. I didn't really get it, and I was like, well, don't respond, don't, you know, don't, just, you know, and then every six months or something, or a year would go by, and then I'd get this fucking wacko thing, and, and I, and I, and, and it was something I just couldn't explain to friends, I couldn't explain, and he's my business partner, fucking guy I trust more than anybody else in the world, he's been, he, 10 years. Were y'all of, business partners at the time? No, no, we were friends, we were friends. <laughs> So like we, he followed, you know, for 10 years, he followed me around with these weird emails and just wanted to like poke. He was just like this strange, it could have been uh, one of the strangest was- things I've ever been involved in, but he's like my most trusted friend. Occasionally you tell me a story like that, or just tell everyone a story that like, that's going to stick with me and I'm just going to be thinking about it. It'll pop into my head and I'm going to Google about Flavio Morales. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the yeah. The other one is the the puta, the pothole. Uh, yeah, puta so pothole. that's the best pot. The, we had outside of our part, outside of our house, we had these potholes, and then they just get bigger and bigger. And, it, and you know, it was, the funny thing is about this too is I hadn't, I've never, still, never really seen a pothole like you have up in the north. They're bad, and because the ice gets in them. Well, number one is that's is what the, I that's what I heard. Like I thought it was just like a little, I don't know. I've recently learned how big potholes get. The the whole the whole it's so weird how they make. And I'm not a construction. I don't know anything about how they make roads. But basically, they 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 clean and like have a machine that like raises the asphalt, and then they'll just repour. And then if there's something underneath, it'll just fall out. So we had this pothole in front of our our house, and. People were getting fucking jacked. Like it was deep enough that one wheel would go in. The bottom of the car would, if you hit it right, the bottom of your car would hit the sidewalk, hit the uh, asphalt, and then you'd hear it. So we'd be in the house, especially like, in the was summer. Was it popping people's tires? There was one guy who fucked his tire up, and we had already called. We'd call the city a couple times and just say, "Look, there's this." And and for us, it was it was it was an inconvenience just because. You know, it was loud when people were hitting it hard, and they were. And then, so one guy drove. He hits the he hits the pothole, and he goes boom, boom, puta. And this guy just yelled puta. And then we would just call. And then my wife and my daughter and I would just call, which is whore, which is whore. And and we would just we'd all call the pothole puta. So, and then finally, this dude like had to he broke his wheel, and we called the city. I'm like, you're gonna fucking get a. 
we've been telling you forever, you got to fill these potholes. So they fill the potholes and they just get worse. I mean, every year they get, they open up. I don't know how it works. Yeah, well, Puta that's was a, a good story. One. I I occasionally would get mad and yell Puta, and it makes me think of that story, and it just makes me giggle every time. Kind of, oh. it's, it's kind of good because I'm mad and I'll say it, and then I think of that story, and then it kind of just cheers me up every time. But these people who yell Puta, I mean, it, it hit the ground, and it was like immediate. <laughs> it was like right off the tongue. Like there was no like it was like yelling fuck, but it was no. Puta. And if the frame of your car is hitting the ground, like you don't have the suspension of your car to pat it. Like no. your butthole is kissing the frame of the seat. Oh yeah, yeah, you're out. You're out. If you yeah. hit it on the money, and you are getting like you know you're getting a drive. You're getting a drive up right up the ass. Yeah. Next question. Next stories we have. We have a presidential hopeful that says hyena testicles will erase debt. Now, I read this story thinking to myself, this is some bullshit, or or this is like potentially you know this is a bullshit story. I don't necessarily think that I, I don't necessarily believe that it is a bad, uh oh, it's like, let me read it. Oh, damn it. Um, I was going to say, I, I mean, I, I don't get it, but shit. I feel like I need to hear it. Shit. I'm going to see if I can get in without, without having to subscribe for a week. Um, fuck. Sorry, ah, just guys. subscribe, charge it to Craig. I'm not charging you. I'm not getting this. I'm not getting it for this bullshit story. But basically, the story <laughs> was was it was the way the story was framed. Let me see if I can get in it. This pres they're they're trying to say that this presidential hopeful, yeah, they United fucking, States presidential. No, hopeful? this is in Kenya. Oh, that, he, that so basically it made it seem as though he was coming up with the idea that you know it was almost like they were promoting it as this is some sort of strange witchcraft but really what it was was he says let's get let's sell let's legalize marijuana or medical marijuana f- to help the debt and then these people in china want to eat the hyena testicles let's sell fucking sell them hyena testicles Hell it was yeah. more along the lines of like that made it a lot less like these are some sort of like ignorant people. This is just like a guy being like, here's two fucking crash cash crops, weed and balls. Let's sell them both. And I didn't, when I read after I read the story, it just didn't seem that crazy to me. No, that doesn't say, I mean, the fact that they want to eat hyena testicles, pretty out there. Uh, yeah. As a I mean, guy who's eaten a variety of testicles off of animals, I, I, uh, a dog testicle is not wildly appealing. I don't understand. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a fan of awful at all, really. I mean, I like sweetbreads, but that's yeah. pretty much about it. You know, foie gras. I get the if it, if it comes to me, I ain't going out for it. But oh, like, I'll, I'll I don't get the gras. balls thing. I don't get the balls thing. Uh, calf fries are the the best, most tender chicken you'll ever have. So but, even beef tastes like chicken. So what? Ha- so but there's no like. I mean, there's no like. I mean, what's the flavor like? I want you in your mind. It tastes like thinking, chicken. But I mean, they have to prepare. You have to like. I know that. Oh, you, so you, yeah, you. There's a membrane around them. You skin that off. You, depending on how big they are, you'll quarter them or slice them up, deep fr- or batter them and deep fry them. So, see, that's the thing. Is this this article made it seem like this crazy, you know, Kenyan guy was just like, let's get. These te- these testicles will you know magically save our. No, he was trying to figure out a way to s- sell something that we if could get out of the If you got anything else to export, sell some hyena testicles. Why not? If you got a buyer, why not? I mean, is that? I mean, it's it's not like the rhino horn where you got to kill the rhino. I mean, uh, so a couple of hyenas don't have a set of balls. I mean, is that is that the end of the world? 
Now, what I want to know is Go how ahead. much does a hyena nut cost to buy? Google Siri. What do you say? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I wouldn't know the exchange rate on hyena testicles. And is it, you kind of brought it up. It's like the the rhino horn or the shark fin soup or right. Uh, is there? Is it like some virility thing that you are make make you stand up all night long if you eat a hyena nut? I would imagine that there is there. You know, all these things, all these things are always dick related. You know, yeah. like I'm still convinced. I mean, even with coronavirus, how that eating it's it's all about the the penis. I mean, the, the eating the bush meat, all the. I guess how that that those wet markets in Wuhan they're now no, they're wait, going when back you say to bush meat. What are you talking about? Well, bush I have something else in mind. But, <laughs> I mean, bush meat is that whole thing in Africa where you're eating like wombats and shit. That's what they call like this. It's in here, United States. You're eating wild duck or something like that. They're calling it wild game. But there's like some shit that they're eating in in like they call it bush meat, which is like you know you're eating like bizarre jungle animals. I mean that's so this, it'd be like eating a squirrel or a rabbit around here. Uh they still I don't think they call it bushmen. I think they call it wild game here. I think that they've they figured right. out they figured out like a little vernacular around it to make All it right. not as grotesque. But I mean that Wuhan. I mean the coronavirus came from eating those those fucking mandrels or whatever those those fucking weird like you know Pokemon monsters. <laughs> and it was most likely it was to get your dick hard. The was it a pangolin? Pangolin. Yeah. Yeah. That, they went to all of a sudden there was this weird story that it was like, you know, you know, chemical. It was some sort of what happened to the thing. guy eating the bat? Him, too. Him, too. That's but that's some bullshit. I mean, it's all and let's face it. I mean, bats so basically can't be, what you're saying is Ozzy Osbourne started coronavirus. I th- what I'm saying is, is we need to stop trying to get our dicks hard by eating like weird things because it's obviously we're having major problems in this world well, and it, I, you it know, all stems from getting your dick hard you know somebody's got to be the first it's like the guy who ate the yeah. first oyster how do you know it's not going to get your dick hard i mean there's a lot of hope there's too much hope there's too much hope about getting your dick hard you know um but yeah you know it's i listen i'm you know speaking i mean not getting speaking about getting your dick hard but i mean in terms of like sushi now i don't know if you eat sushi i do but i love sushi but I'm starting to realize that, I mean, you just watch, I mean, I've, I've been watching, I, I make my kid watch uh, Jiro Jeans, Dreams of Sushi, which is a dynamite. Oh, a dynamite. fantastic. Yeah. And it's for, if you're an, a creative person, an artistic person, it's something to watch because it's less about the food and more about the concept of the shokunin, which is not just being a craftsman, but it's somebody who's able to do the same thing every day for the glory of that consistency. And, you know, the tuna is which is the greatest of all sushis i mean fight me i mean there, it's it's hard to find something more globally enjoyed tuna than tuna or any of it i don't oh, think that there's I love a, that fatty tuna mm. i mean there's i mean there i mean raw i mean tuna sushi is probably the most popular of all the fish sushis globally i mean whether or not you like you like it or not it's a different story but i mean it's becoming so overpopulated that i keep saying to my my wife i'm like i gotta stop we, we're not going to get this much longer we're not going to get this much longer, especially at these prices, because yeah. there's just no way that no way we can sustain. I mean, they're just grabbing every fish out of the water, and there's no like. Well, I, I assume whatsoever. a tuna is not something like you know. You can farm raise oysters now. You can farm raise a whole bunch of stuff. Of tuna is a, and you want those big, massive tuna. You can't farm raise that. I mean, it's got to be farm a wild. It. They need the entire ocean to roam. 
The weird thing about the farm-raised fish, like farm-raised salmon, is it's so bizarrely different than like wild salmon that it's like they feed these things foods that make them more yellow or more orange. Yeah. They're really bizarre. I mean, the I the only thing that the the farm-raised as far as I'm concerned, the far, the farm-raised salmon is good for is for smoking. Like it's good for cuz you're just you're killing the flavor anyway. You're just That's all you want is the kind of fight. salmon I like anyways. Yeah, so there you go. Well, back to back to weird stories. So right. US man uh, receives final paycheck of $915 in oil-covered pennies with a fuck you note. Does that sound good? Nah. Okay, 3-year-old girl hospitalized after Pennsylvania restaurant mistakenly served her alcohol. Uh, I'm not wild about that. That's the idea of kids getting drunk is it, is like dogs get people getting dogs drunk like it's just yeah. not it doesn't I, well, I, I puts a bad taste in my mouth. I don't I, I don't like that. I'll give you the synopsis is there right. it was one of them uh like uh hibachi places and you know how they fucking <laughs> squirt squirt stuff into people's mouths? Yeah. They had lemonade and they had something else and they mixed them up and they were they were squirting it in everybody's mouths and they thought they gave this 3-year-old lemonade turns out they gave her a, you know a, you know, a mouthful of sake a and shot of vodka. Yeah, and she did not do well with it. So they took her to the hospital. So it wasn't I mean, my wife tells as a story that she when she was younger they went to a Mexican restaurant and they accidentally gave her a non-virgin margarita and she was shit house and they just kind of laughed about it and put her back in the car and they went home um she she was toilet hugging knee walking drunk i mean i don't think one i don't think one squeeze of you know yeah. i mean she probably had a headache and it probably See, felt and like, that, like i said i the innocent things getting drunk it i just it's just like you feel bad for them yeah i agree with you i agree with you uh all right now here's some more i have more i have plenty of more uh Bakery apologizes for a Philadelphia police cake and shield. So this bakery made a police cake, a cake for a police. And the shield said it was altered to say coffee, corruption, and donuts. <laughs> All right, here we go. This is a good one. And this is P.S. Shout out to the Philly crew. I, I'm now Philadelphia. Philadelphia News is one of my favorites. The PA crew rules. I'm sending this one out to the PA crew. PA crew. A controversial take on the Philadelphia Police Department shield that replaced honor, integrity, and service with coffee, corruption, and donuts is back in the news again. Uh, the bakery house in Bryn Mawr. Bryn Mawr uh, hey, I'm going to interrupt you for just a second. got to pause this. Well, well, there's no pausing. Where are you going? I gotta go pee. I'll go pee. I'll t- I'll do. I'll, I'll I'll talk about a few. Yeah, things. Yeah, you talk. I'll be back. Go take a leak. All right. So, guys, Bye. this is the this is how we do on the Full Blast podcast. We have all sorts of things going on, ladies and gentlemen. I am going to be going down back in the next couple of weeks to the Center for Metal Arts, and I will be having. Uh, I'll bring a mic, and we will be talking to Pat Quinn again. I'm looking forward to hearing from Pat. We're going to talk about the um, upcoming. On September 17th, if you're in the Johnstown area or you want to go be in the Johnstown area, the Cambria Iron Conference will be there. And what they're going to be doing is, is they're going to be running these giant 3,000, I think it's 3,000 pounds. I might be wrong. I can't, I don't have it in front of me. I'm, I'm just kind of going by whatever. They're gi- these giant uh, power hammers that uh, the Center for Mental Arts and Pat is re- has fixed. And they're going to be doing giant sculpture. Giant sculpture, it's going to be something that you've never, 
never seen before, or if you have, you're in a very small few because this is going to be a great event. The Center for Mental Arts is going to be a beautiful campus, and it is a beautiful campus. They're going to be, you're going to be able to see the shop. You're going to be able to see all the forges. You're going to be see, see all the work they're doing. I'm teaching a class on the 3rd and 4th of September. I'm going to do another friction folder class. But on the 17th, if you have the ability to, and you're a metal worker, or you're not a metal worker, you just want to see this historic Cambria Iron Conference, go to Center for Metal Arts. They're, go to their website. I think it's centerformetalarts.org. Go register to be at the Cambria Iron Conference. I know they're going to have food there. It's going to be a. Uh, it's going to be something that you're not going to want to miss. So go check out the Cambria Iron Conference at the Center for Metal Arts. And I will be down in Johnstown, PA, with Pat. I'll, we'll do another. I hope I'm, I'm uh, back. He's back. All right. So go to the Center for Metal Arts Register for that. I'm going to be with Pat. And um, now let's get back to the show. That was the best feat. That was the best filler I've ever done. I feel very confident, Ben. That was the best filler I've ever done. Good. Okay. Back to it. A bakery in Bryn Mawr posted an apology to its Facebook page Monday after one of its decorators used an altered shield on a cake over the weekend. The cake was ordered to celebrate a man's 25th anniversary with the department, according to uh, uh, this news organization. The woman who ordered the cake told the news, uh, 6ABC, that she didn't notice that the altered words on the shield until her friend was about to take the cake into the office to share with his colleagues. Jones called the cake humiliating to someone who has served 25 years in a not-so-easy job. The owner of the bakery house uh, called the incident a devastating mistake and said on Facebook that she and her staff have the utmost respect for law enforcement, explaining how the unaltered shield made made it explaining how the altered shield made it to the cake. Stouffer said one of the bakery's decorators pulled the image from the Internet and did not see the fine print. <laughs> it really does. It looks like, if I could explain it, the shield looks like a regular Philadelphia shield. And in fine print, there's like a little banner that goes over the seal. I mean, this looks just like the fucking, the fucking so shield. So is it one of those deals where it's like printed yes. on a cake? So yeah. she did, nobody hand... No, was no. Okay, all See, right. That, that would be fucking sense. awesome. Like if That's somebody a, was I just thought like... somebody was like, you know how people are decorating cakes nowadays. I thought it was, you know, piped in there with some icing. If... Right. So it's like a it's like a little chip, like a like a cookie that's printed, and the, in on the ba- it looks like the Philadelphia police badge, and then on the on the banner it said uh, she believed that the choosing uh, she was choosing a crispier, clearer image, but in her haste the image was taken and, and had been manipulated. No one caught the mistake, said the bakery. This is not who I am. This is not who my staff are. We were beyond mortified from the bottom of her heart. I and my entire staff deeply apologize. We're truly embarrassed and sorry for this unfortunate mistake that's been caused. Um, according to 6ABC, uh, they, de- uh, they declined a full refund for the cake. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Uh, I was going to, you know, at first I was thinking there's no way, there's no way this is a mistake. Yeah, me too. But if it's some, like one of those printed deals, I, I could see it. Yeah, it, well... This is part of the, I mean, you know, technology now is so easy to do. I mean, you, you don't have to be, you know, you can just like clip an image and then put it on your digital scanner and then you, if you don't see the yeah, fucking, you know. 3D print your cake. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, th- I think it's hilarious. I, I think what's worse about it is 
somebody in that department decided to make a thing about it. You could have let it go. I mean, why did yeah. you have to go to the news? I mean, it's like, all right, you could have called up the call. You could have, if it was me, well, if I had ordered the cake and that came and I didn't notice it, I would have been deeply mortified. I also would have taken that fucking thing off. I would have taken, I mean, it wasn't, yeah. I would have taken that cookie off, number one. And number two, I wouldn't have gone to the fucking news to no, say this bakery. No, it's like bakery, the people who go to, go to Facebook to complain about every little thing. It's it that almost seems such an overcorrection of the situation. Yeah, you know, it's like what is the gain of of making a federal case about it? You know, we're we're going to ruin this person's bit. We're going to attempt to ruin this person's right. business over something that very well sounds like it could be an honest mistake. Right, right. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. But at the same time, it's funny too. Yeah. All right, where is the what? Where is it known? Ben as the STD capital of America. River Road Amarillo. <laughs> what do you know that I don't know? What do you know that the people in fucking Tampa don't know either? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Is it Tampa? Uh, friends up north across Tampa Bay are snickering when Brian Lafferty revealed that where he bought a new home. His 30-year-old daughter in Boston called it called to express her concerns even her even his ex-wife asked about it without exception every person i've told i bought a house in the villages the villages is a retirement community in tampa uh the village uh every, without exception every person i've told who bought a house in the villages has asked the same thing isn't that the std capital of the united states the villages is a mammoth retirement community that has the fastest growing metropolitan area in the nation two years ago and is no stranger to folklore. The Central Florida Senior Haven has fielded rumors about swingers and public sex for decades. But perhaps no myth is more ubiquitous or more enduring than the idea that the rampant rates of sexually transmitted diseases. I feel like I have to justify to every single person I know that I didn't buy this place to chase women, said Lafferty, who is 69, of course, and single. I bought it because I wanted to play golf. Yeah, right, you fucking douchebag. 69 and you're you're 69 years old and you're going to a retirement community? Shut the fuck up. To play yeah. golf? To play golf? Get the fuck out. Now all of a sudden this is a real conversation because it's just like you're 69 years old and you're going to go to a retirement community to play golf when you're 69 and you know that you could be fucking? Yeah. All right, come on, man. Sexually transmitted infections are on the rise nationally in the wake of the pandemic. But it is the world's largest retirement community, about 80 miles northwest of Tampa, that's really the hotbed for disease. Where did this pervasive legend start, and will it ever go away? More worried, uh, people are more worried about alligator, uh, more worried about alligators than crabs. That's their joke. Residents hear the joke off too often. The Tampa Bay Times. Uh, inquiry on the 38,000 member Facebook group, the villages of uh, the villages word of mouth. My doctor in Ohio even has asked where we spend time in Florida and stated, oh, the village is the highest STD rate in the country. They're more worried about alligators than crabs here, says Sean Thomas. Uh, it doesn't matter where the truth is. People love gossip about old people having sex. You know what? <laughs> Go ahead. Who cares? Eh, it's funny. You know, you don't want to hear, yeah. you don't want to think about your grandparents fucking, you know, but you certainly don't want to hear them getting sexually transmitted diseases. So, 
Some say a disgruntled nurse hurl, uh, hurled it at an insult. Others believe it began on a joke on a radio station, but most trace it to a 2006 television news story, doctors in retirement communities seeing an increase in STDs. While statistics aren't yet reflecting the trend, one physician in the women's center of the villages uh, said that in her years working in Miami, she's never seen so many cases. So, So it sounds like there's some truth to it. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to it. Uh, I've heard often about, uh, my wife told me that that's like, these retirement communities are like rife with sexually transmitted diseases. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, shit, old shit. Like, old well, shit. Well, I guess really if you hadn't got to worry about get, getting anybody pregnant, I guess everybody's raw dogging. They're, they, yes. Yes, exactly. A hundred percent, exactly. But the, the hilarious part is the fact that this dude who said his age, so if, I, if I'm telling you I'm going to a retirement community and I'm under 80, I'm no, not I'm, telling I'm, you I'm going to a retirement community. I'm 78 years old. 69? Whether, whether I'm 50. Dude, 69 years old? This dude is trying to get some ass. Yeah, he is. He's try- and he knows he's obviously he's gonna- single. And he knows he's going to get some ass at the villages because everyone's getting ass at the villages. Yeah, crabs. Just shave everything off. There you go. Uh, I don't think crabs are the biggest. F- I, you know, look, what are you going to do? Next, next thing is, is in Texas. And I don't know if this is a problem or not, but an invasive Australian crayfish is found in Texas. Have you heard about this? I have heard we don't have water. I don't know anything about crawfish in Texas. <laughs> yeah, I don't have water. Uh, the lobster-sized crayfish has invaded the Lone Star State, and apparently, it tastes like lobster. Texas, USA. Everything is bigger in Texas, but even if it's not for the Lone Star State, uh, it will find its way here. The Australian red claw crayfish has recently found in the in apartment complex in South Texas, according to the Texas Park and Wildlife Department. These three lobster-sized mud bugs were collected from the pond in Brownsville by researchers at the University of Texas in Rio Grande Valley. The problem is these crayfish aren't welcomed. The invasive species multiply quickly as the females can produce about 1,000 eggs three to five times during the breeding season. They, can also, they also prefer warmer waters. Uh, we don't know when these invasive species were first introduced or how far they'll spread, but we do know uh, that they can have a negative effect on the local uh, species and biodiversity you know that's one like how the hell does somebody had to have intentionally introduced that right because a freshwater species because aren't aren't all crawfish freshwater i believe so i i believe so i mean there's no other way to get it here do you ever do you i remember when i was really deep into bass fishing like i was like in college i was like i got really really into it and and that helped spawn some of the sculptures i was doing I would go down and visit my uncle in Florida, and I was told that the the best place, some of the best places to fish are on the golf courses. And they said that there's a huge problem with these in weird. There's this weird invasive freshwater fish that was started because somebody just people just started putting their goldfish in the in the in the ponds. And it's uh, like is it that is it that like that Chinese Japanese jumping carp or? Well, I don't know about that, but it almost looks like a it almost looks kind of like a bluegill. Like it's kind of like a bluegill, but it's like a little different. And there, and there's, but there's besides that, there's that you know that that uh, the snakehead fish. Yeah, yeah, I do know about that. Those one. things are fucking terrifying. 
And don't they like travel across land a little ways, won't they? The snakehead fish will is is there they there's like a shoot on sight situation with the snakehead yeah. fish because they they live on they can live on land and they can crawl. So they they look like a they look like a like demon fish. And then yeah. they then you leave them you, you know sometimes fishing guys they'll catch a fish that's invasive and they'll just throw it in the woods. This motherfucker will walk right back at you. <laughs> You know, he's going to come right back. He's going to come right back at you. But I would think that the crayfish thing would be uh, advantageous. But, you know, giant crayfish. I mean, people love people's lobsters obsession is, you know, and you say it was out of one pond. And generally, when I think of ponds is there's no fresh water, like it's spring fed. It's not being fed by 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 a stream or, or a river. Right. It would be contained. Yeah. And maybe if, you know, they say three of them were pulled out of this. I I don't know, man. I, I can't imagine how detrimental it would be. But then again, I look at the snake fish. And then it, do you know of that jumping fish that you'll see videos? And I see them on Instagram every so often. I saw a, a show about them. Is it some sort of invasive I want to say a carp that gets into these rivers and you'll see people traveling down in boats and like thousands of fish are just jumping, hitting, hitting them in the head. And I've seen that. Yeah. In the boat and... I want but to see it, Chris a, Cash like a... that. I want to see Chris Cash <laughs> going down the water and these bo- these carp jumping and hit him in the face. I'd rather see Chris Cash jumping out of the water, hitting somebody else in the face. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. He just did a video where he's, he's jumping off a boat and was in his shoes and his uh, that guy, He lives a fun life. He's a he's a Chris Cash is the best, but I mean the invasive the invasive species thing is bizarre. I mean it is like and and not to mention Florida. There was an article years ago, a crazy article in New York Magazine or New York the New Yorker about how Florida is like the petri dish for Jurassic Park, and it was all about how all these uh, when all these uh, foreign animals were being brought in as pets, like they were getting out and oh, because of. Don't they have like a massive anaconda population? They and... have the biggest anaconda problem, and they have like hunting to- hunting tournaments, and it's like everything does well in Florida. It's like Jurassic Park. They have like monkeys escaping, and then they're getting along perfectly fine in Florida. <laughs> There's like these crazy birds all over the place. There's just like everything is like prospers down in Florida, including methamphetamine and. Florida oh, man, they love they love they love drugs down in Florida. I don't know yeah, what do. Florida is a. I love my sister's got a place in Florida. My our our good friend JP is down in Florida. Florida is a fucking bizarre place. It, it is, is a, a bizarre, bizarre place. place. Super bizarre place. Shout out to um, there's a famous a Florida writer who wrote about Disneyland and what it's like for. My my sister is. Uh, what traditional Florida people think of new Florida people. It's very interesting because um, most of the people that who moved down to Florida are all kind of tax evaders anyway. Yeah. Uh, man grants dying wish man's man grants dying wish of a, I'm going to read this one more time. Man grants dying man's final wish to dismantle his secret sex dungeon. This is a good one. That's a good friend. So this is no, this is a dude's job. While most of us like to put uh, to put it in the back of our minds, it's good to be prepared for the last day. Uh, the Grim Reaper taps us on the shoulder and says, "It's time. Our time is up." 
But if you don't fancy confiding in your loved ones about your deepest, darkest secrets, maybe you need to call the Coffin Confessor. For the past four years, Bill Edgar has been carrying out the final wishes of those who are close to Heaven's Gate. It all started in 2018 when a client of his who was dying offered the then private detective $10,000 to crash his funeral and kick out an old friend who had been fucking his wife. <laughs> Speaking to LA Bible about this rather unique line of work, the Australian says that one man even asked him to dismantle his, quote, sex dungeon. I got a call from a palliative care nurse, and he said to me, I got a guy here, he's dying. He's had a fall. Uh, he, uh, he had a fall at home, and he can't go home, and he's petrified of what his sons are going to find there, and he needs someone to go back and clean it. Bill tells us, and I'm like, "Okay, go get a cleaner." And he goes, "No, no, 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 no. It's not like that." So I went back and I met the bloke who's 88 years old, and I said to him, well, "What's your concern?" And he says, "I have sex toys at home, and I have three sons who are on their way to the house to clean it up because they know I'm not going to be coming home." And I'm like, oh, okay, sex, to sex toys, big deal. And then he goes, no, 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 it's a sex dungeon. So he gave me instructions, he gave me the key, and he told me where everything was. And I go to the space, the secret room, and I'm telling you, it's the most immaculate, pristine, beautiful room anyone could ever go into. And yes, it was a sex dungeon, but it was done so well and so nice, you don't feel uncomfortable. And it, it was just weird. Uh, it took him almost three hours to clear the room of the man's collection of toys, which he said were well hidden. You wouldn't have known that they were all sex toys or anything because they look like a lamp or something or hanging on the wall. I mean, <laughs> if you say a lamp is a sex toy, someone would go up someone's ass. Uh, they might have even have handcuffs, but all the same time, they look so nice and they're done with flowers. And I was like, oh, that's pretty unique. Oh, shit, I know what that is now. <laughs> he said, it took me a good two and a half hours, or three hours, easy, because I was going back and forth and it ended up using pillowcases and duvet covers and wrapping all this shit up. And I had to bring it back to the farm and incinerate it. I also had to film it so he was happy that it was all gone and his sons were never going to find it. Adding, the guy's neighbor even came over and started t uh, talking to me and I was like, fuck. She's asking me how he is and what's going on and I'm like, oh, he's all, he's good, he's good. Granted, the above might seem odd to most people. I mean, it's an elderly man with a sex dungeon in his house. But Bill says he was very lonely following the death of his wife. It would be mortifying for his grandchildren to find out that her grandfather was a sexual deviant. Bill admits, but at the same time, he was 88. His wife died when, she was, when he was 50. He's nice having fun. He didn't hurt anyone, I, I guess. I mean, why not? Do you want me to keep going with this? I could, I could see that being, like, really being a thing. Yeah. I don't know exactly how, you know, it'd, sound, it'd be like this guy. And it would have to, I would assume it'd have to be kind of of a bigger city, like maybe New York or Chicago. Right. I think Dallas. this is Australia, but. LA. Yeah. But yeah, but I mean I think your name could get out there in the right circles to where you could have like really make a go of a business doing that. But at the same time, well there's two things. One is who has the wherewithal to say I know that I'm going to die and I need to get this stuff taken care of? A small percentage of people. You know? Like there are Yeah, but I, most I, people I, I, don't most people are not cognizant enough, especially if they have dementia or they have something like something dramatic happen. They might not believe that 
they're going to croak. And then they might not have the wherewithal to. I don't know. There's enough 80 year olds out there. If you got a sex dungeon, you put it out there and say, hey, this is what I do. If you die in 10 years, I got you covered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess you'd have to like, you'd have to, you'd have to, you know, confide in someone for sure. Yeah. But I mean, when people die, that is the one thing that you don't realize is you end up finding stuff about them that, you know, will You'd be unsavory. Or you, they didn't want you to know. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, God bless this guy. You know, he's taking care of all sorts of shit. Um, <laughs> I mean, he got, you know what? God bless the guy who said, hey, I got to find somebody. He told the palliative care nurse, hey, well, listen, I got some shit. I got to find someone. I got someone. some shit. I got to find someone. Man who drinks. Cleaner. No, no. Yeah, I mean, no, no. I, 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 I don't believe the only thing. The only thing I was ever caught doing that I would be I was that I was caught and I was embarrassed by was when I was of the age. And this is like I guess I was fourteen or fifteen. You could go and in, in the city, you could go to these newsstands and you could or you could buy porn, pornographic magazines. And I think I got a I think I got a high society or something like that. And I asked them to put them in a paper bag and I brought it home. And then in the bathroom, there was like this rug. And I put it, I'm not even told this story before. And I put it, I put it underneath the rug, like behind the bathtub. I don't know why, who puts a fucking carpet (laughs) in a bathroom? I mean, that's disgusting. But I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, it's just like, gross. So I put it under and it was like, and then somebody found it. And then they brought it to my attention. And then I was humiliated. I was embarrassed. But then part of me also thought, they're never going to think I'm stupid enough to do the same thing again. And I did the same (laughs) thing again. And they caught me again. Caught like, again. what are you doing? And I thought, I was trying to do that. I was trying to think, you wouldn't think I'm stupid enough to do the same thing over again. It wasn't like, you're stupid. Why'd no, you, you do this? Yeah, you thought, it, you thought it over that surely they think I'm smart enough not to do it twice. That I really, I was, a, I mean, it was, I mean, it was, I was teenage, a teenager horned up and I needed a place to put this. And I thought, she's never going to think I did it the same place twice. And, you know, that doesn't really work, really. Why didn't uh, you just stick it under your mattress like a normal fourteen-year-old? I it it just I thought that that was too obvious. You know, I just thought it was like I thought it was too obvious. See, and, I think about a rug in a bathroom, and I like was the floor tile. It was it was a carpet. It wasn't a rug. It was a carpet. So it, the carpet went around the toilet, which is weird. And I just put it. I like behind between the wall and the toilet. I lifted up the carpet and I put it behind there. And I just thought it was just, it was slightly, because I mean, why would you be back there? I mean, it, I it don't was know. slightly I was, raised, I was just, just slight, I was the slightest slightly raised. raised. But that's also just kind of a gross place to store anything anyways. I and wasn't smart enough. And I thought, I thought if I overthink this, then that's worse. But I should have overthought it. You overthought yourself right into getting caught twice. I know. So like nowadays... I'm trying to, th- like, if, if I, if something happens and, and I'm like, if I need anything, I don't need anything cleaned. I, I'm perfectly, my browser history is cleaned every night. I don't have to worry about that. I, there's no, like, I don't have anything that, um, I don't have anything that I've gotten rid of anything that I'm embarrassed by. Yeah. I, I'm cool. I feel like I'm pretty good too. I'm pretty, and I'm, I'm really thinking about it. I do have something that I can't really talk about that I gave away that, I, it's, I would have to tell you off the air just because it's just like I can't I can't bring myself to, to say it. I, I have something that I gave away that was pretty intense. Did but, you give away your truck nuts? No, I have those here that you oh. gave me the truck nuts. This is far more. 
This is going down on when I have my last podcast where where I'm, I say my deep, deepest darkest secrets. I'll tell this story too. But it, it, this is bad. <laughs> right. This is bad. But I don't have like I don't have it in my house for people. This, to, this is the showstopper where you're burning down the house. Oh, this is the this is like burning down the house, burning down. And I have a friend who smuggled in human skulls from Indonesia. It is this is on par with that. Wow. Yeah, this... it's bad. I can't talk about it anymore. Let's keep going. I'll, All right. That's a called a, that's called a radio tease, ladies and germs. Uh, so stay tuned. My next podcast might be the last one. All right. The next one is, is man who drinks urine each morning has uh, has bust up with his housemate over the smell invading the kitchen. Want to hear about this? Yeah, but I feel like drinking your pee in the morning isn't as uncommon I mean, yeah, I, I'm not going to do it, but I've heard of people doing it. I would agree. I don't know the time frame. You know, I don't remember. I don't know if you were, you're old enough to remember, but there was a big commercial for orange juice that says, not just for breakfast anymore. I don't know if you remember. remember that. Orange no. juice, not just for breakfast anymore. Well, neither is urine. A man whose morning routine includes drinking his own urine has revealed his unusual habit has led to a bust up with his housemate over the smell. Brother Sage has been drinking his own pee for almost 20 years, claiming that it cures all, despite, any, but despite a lack of any scientific evidence to support this practice. The 68-year-old is convinced that urotherapy, urotherapy, he's now selling a course for 280 euros, uh, no, pounds, 280 pounds, 80 euros or pounds, in yeah, which no, he helps... Yes, it's all <laughs> <Sorry>. monopoly money. <laughs> in which he helps people unlock the secrets of their we, believing that it can be used to treat anything from cancer to sunburns. Sage from Colorado says, uh, "I wake up in the morning and I drink what I've saved in the night. Most people will drink it first thing in the morning, and people who are fasting or detox will be looping. Will be called it's called looping, which means you do it. You uh, which means everything they collect will be drank throughout the day." The cleaner you can get your diet, the better it'll look, taste, and smell. Of course, storing pee in a house doesn't come without any pitfalls, especially when you're sharing in a house. He continued, it's a good idea to keep your lifestyle in check with the potential housemates so they know what you do in your room, bathroom, or in the house so there won't be any uh, moments of surprise. I do urine therapy. This created a hiccup in the house, and uh, this created a hiccup in the house that I'm in, and I just... uh, readjusted where I do my practice now and started to look for a new location. The bedroom and my bathroom are too close to the kitchen, so it smells down the hallway. Uh, for now, I'm practicing, I'm practicing out in the yard, and he goes to a nearby location or hot springs and spends three days having a good time with it, and it's out of my system. Mm-hmm. Sage says he practices urotherapy back in 1984. At the time, it had nothing to do with his health. He just wanted to feel total spiritual connection with himself. I think well, maybe just eat your boogers or something, man. Don't drink your <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, you know. I um, feel like there was an MMA fighter I heard about yes. that drank his pee every morning. Leota Machida. That's it. Leota Machida. That's a big thing. These fucking guys. Leota Machida was unbelievable. The dragon. That was his. That That's was the it. big joke that he would drink his own urine. I, I just don't. 
I, it just seems so, you know, there are so many people who, there was a Howard Stern where they went to a, a urine drinking symposium and it was all like, they were talking about how there's a, there's a, uh, a, uh, I guess a passage in the Bible that says drinking from your own cistern, which is basically like, you know, you know, <laughs> <laughs> straight from the tap, I guess. Um, I, you know, and then like he says, you do it while you're detoxing. Right. I would think you would want to detox and then maybe... Maybe I mean, if you're going to drink your pee, you do it after your detox. Because if you're detoxing, wouldn't you then be like continuously putting those toxins back in you? Even though most of them are evacuated in a different fashion, some of them, I would think, would go through pee. I don't know. Scientific evidence to back up these claims. Dr. Jeff Foster suggests that there's no good, no good can come from it. He says urine is a waste product that contains 90% water. The rest is ammonia and salts, some bacteria and other waste products. There are no known reported health benefits from drinking or rubbing your urine onto your body or anyone else's urine. Orally, it's much worse. It can actually speed up dehydration process and potentially introduce bacteria. Oh, there's a picture of this dude fucking, oh my God. I gotta send this to you. I gotta, I gotta send. Yeah. Oh my god! I don't know. I <laughs> this fucking. Guy. All I really, I know of Leo Machida drinking pee in Bear Grylls. Yeah, yeah, Bear. I you know what the, the that was his probably claim to fame. Bear Grylls. Oh, that it? was his go-to move. It's like, all right, I'm leaving leaving the movie theater. My car's at the other end of the parking lot. Better <laughs> stop and drink my pee. Wait, I wait. Mean, I got my mouth is getting dry. I better go take a leak. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I really, I really do believe. I think that you know, there's that old expression that if you got a room full of monkeys, uh, in a in a in a, a mo- enough monkeys and typewriters, they'd be able to, you know, type Shakespeare's sonnets or something like that. You know that expression? No. It's basically like if you get enough monkeys and typewriters in a room, somebody, one of my monkeys is gonna do something's it. actually something. There's too many legible people. is actually going to come out. There's too many people in this fucking world, and they're all. They, everybody thinks that they know everything. Uh huh. And there's they, and without any scientific basis, they just know what they know. And and the other problem is, and this is something that's this is a this is a phenomenon. People like to study what they like. They want to, the information that they want to retain is the stuff that is interesting to them. It's not based I, on... I completely agree with that. That's the problem with all these guys. They find something that they latch onto, that they like, and they focus on the only parts of it that, that they like, whether or not it's a person or whether or not it's a thing or whether... you know. And then, then they're all in on the part that they like. And if you go to like college or you have education, you end up having to study shit you might not want to know or might not care about as much, but it, it, it creates a deeper context of what you're learning this motherfucker hears that you know pee is good for you and he's just like well let's fucking you know cheers i it's kind of like the mark twain saying if never argue with an idiot they'll bring you down to their level i mean it's uh, they're only going to listen to what they want to hear and if you try to even debate it with them but it's you're giving like you're it's almost like you're granting that they what that their argument has any validity there's no, there's no, nobody wants to, nobody wants to like listen to it all and then come up with a logical answer. It's like, no. oh, well, I hear if you pee on yourself, then, you know, that gets rid of toe fungus. It's like, 
I mean, you hear a lot of things. You know, there's my. I, I have. A, I know Let's a go. guy. I know a guy. This is funny. I know a guy who swore up and down to me about colonics. You know what a colonic is? It's like an uh, enema. Yeah, I, I was going to say it's an enema, isn't it? Yeah, but I think it's more involved. Like they're machines. Like an enema, it's like a bag, and you squirt up water, you hold it, and then you crap it out into the into the into the toilet. Oh, I thought it was I, all the same thing. I think that I think that what happens with a colonic is there's like pumps involved and there's like motors and there's it's more i think it's more um so this guy says to me he's like i say hey, i saw him in the street i say hey, you look good what's going on and we're just chit-chatting he's like oh you have no idea i just had a colonic and it's i do a colonic once a once a year and it's changed my life i said how's it changed your life he's like you're gonna laugh and i'm like i'm listening and he says, I go to this woman's apartment and I go to the basement. And she's got a, 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 a like a, a table and I lie down on my side and then she puts this hose up my ass and she takes, you know, and then turns the machine on it, pushes stuff out, sucks stuff out. And, and then afterwards you feel so good. And it's like, you have no idea. And there are people who, and he, I'm looking at him and I'm just like, and he's like, you know what Eastern medicine tells you this and then the other thing. And they're going to be naysayers and all this, but I'm telling you, you get a colonic, you get that shit. You know, you have no idea what's up in there. They're going to get out of you. And so I always go to my wife who's, I mean, my wife, she knows, she knows. Well, here's, the, I'm going to, exp- the, the difference between a lot of these people and who are like medical experts in my wife, my wife does not want to be an administrator. My wife is an in-the-field grunt. She, wa- she understands. She's met and talked to millions of, uh, thousands of people who do stupid shit, and she likes to be in the mix. She likes, it's almost like I explain it like if you ever see those old Vietnam movies where the, the rookie, the, you know, the new newbies are getting off the helicopter and there's, they're all nervous and bullets are flying off. And then you see this dude like wearing just like a flak jacket and says, you're all going to die. Yeah, That's my wife. That's my wife. She doesn't put, put up with it. She didn't, and she puts up with zero shit. I don't know. It's crazy that she's with me. She puts up with zero shit. She likes me. I'm like the court jester. You know, I keep her like yeah. light. I keep shit light. I was telling her, I was like, you're never going to believe what so-and-so said. And he's doing a colonics. And then she just looks at me and she's like, tell me more. And I was like, I told him the whole thing. And I told her, he says it, it detoxes you and it does this and it does that. And it does this and does that. And she just looks at me and she goes, he just likes things up his ass. And that was the end of the conversation. It's like, it does nothing. You know, I, There's nothing the for thing him. Is, There's nothing. Sometimes you take a really, really just a phenomenal poop. And you're like, damn, I feel, man, I feel good. I feel lighter. I feel, I'm just happy. So I mean, part of me can kind of see that. It apparently it takes time, away a lot of like your like it takes a lot of like stuff out of you that you need. Like there's that's a- what I was gonna say. I could see it like you're even even at kind of the end of the end of the line, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Your body is still getting nutrients that it can yeah. out of whatever's in there. But and these, so you're but these people and it's and I'm I'm gonna say something controversial too. It, these fucking knuckle crackers are the same thing. This this, this chiropractic stuff. Is, oh, I, yeah, I don't I don't buy into chiropractic. If at you, all. It, I, I'll have this is the one that are going to get me because people swear by chiropractors. Yeah, a lot of them. The chiropractic chiropractors. I'm sure they're perfectly nice, but their move is to get you to keep coming back, and they focus on the shit that you know when we you know it's like if you you see these these uh, Instagram videos, these guys like cracking, making noises. When you hear these fucking noises, your brain thinks he's fixing me. It's this strange thing. It's like it's not 
it's it's some bullshit. And if you talk to any medical doctors, they'll say, ah, he's just popping some, you know, cracking knuckles, and you might feel good for a minute or two, but it's just it doesn't do it all. You know, it doesn't fix your problem. Uh, you're you're preaching to the choir. I work for neurosurgeons, so. Oh. Oh yeah, they don't. These high-level medical people, they don't put up with these knuckle crackers and then the and then the enema guys. They don't put up with any of this bullshit. You know, they don't put up with any of it. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've I've got a story about that, but it's not personally related, and I can, I can't publicly talk about it. But I can tell you about it off air. All right, well we got a couple of things we got to talk about off air. Yeah. So I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a round robin. We can do one more good one. You think about what you want. Which one are you like? All right. These stories are fun. Um. Elephant tramples woman to death and shows up at her funeral to have another go at her. That's fucking... <laughs> I'm going to read a All couple. Right. And then you decide. A UK restaurant no longer caters to vegans because they're, quote, holier-than-thou attitude. Worker disappears after he's accidentally paid more than 300 times his salary. I heard about this one. Do you want that one? Yes, I heard about that. This motherfucker right here. Gen- this, number two is... Number one... God bless him. Number two, strong move. Fuck away off. Oh, yeah. Um, get, get, get the fuck out. Okay. So a worker, a dispatch assistant at a cold meats manufacturer, uh, this was in Chile, I guess, uh, received a paycheck for, a, for $165,398,851 Chilean pesos, or $180,418. For the Imagine month of how May. much money that is in Chile. Uh, it's written down here. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm just no, proud I mean, of just Imagine how much U.S. dollars, how long, you are a king in Chile. Oh, $180,000 in Chile? I mean, oh, you're uh, fucking hell, away. Just off. buy the country. You might, I mean, he was supposed to be paid uh, only $545. The worker initially alerted the manager of the massive overpayment, and according to local media outlet, Whatchamacallit, whatchamacallit. The manager would then report the issue to Human Resources, who asked the worker to get his, to go to his bank and return the extra money. He agreed to go to the bank the next day, but kept the money and ignored communications from his employer over the next few days. The man then offered his resignation through a letter sent to the company by his attorney. The worker has not been heard from since. That's the story. You know, you know what he did? He fucking went to a lawyer and Take said, what and can we do with, they gave me this check. Do I have, do I legally have to give it back? Yeah. The lawyer must've said, no, they paid you this. They paid you this. What I, the fuck do you do? You know what? I'm generally not, I'm pretty well morally against stealing. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm morally against it. Yeah, of course. This right here, a guy in Chile yeah. getting paid $500, gets paid 100 You know what? Fuck it. Take it. I'm out of here. He found, he this guy did the right, if you're going to loophole somebody, this might be the loophole of loopholes. This is the loophole of loopholes. Right, go ahead. Do it. I'm not, I don't know. At first I thought. Ah, give the money back. But then it's like, ah, he's working in a meat factory, you know? Yeah. And he didn't do anything wrong. No. And he doesn't really have to give it back. Maybe he does. I, mean, I don't know if they, they sue him. I mean, I, can I, they yeah, sue I him suppose they can mistake? sue him if they can find him. 
He but now he's got fucking, resources. He can he, hide. He went to a fucking he lawyer. He isn't in Chile anymore, without a doubt. Uh, he is no longer in Chile. Well, he was smart enough to get a lawyer. Somebody oh, yeah. must have said to him, go get a lawyer. Because, you know, if it's me, it's just like, ah, bring it back. I'm not telling anybody, that's for sure. I'm not telling my friends. No, that's like whenever you, you know, what was the lottery the other day? $3 billion or something crazy like that? And one person won it? If you win that, you don't tell anybody, the, and you have a lawyer go turn in the ticket for you, so but, nobody knows that you've got it. But just like the, the second dude, you have that much money, everyone's going to come out of the woodwork. But just like the dude with the sex dungeon, how do you have the wherewithal to fucking figure that out? How do you have the wherewithal to tell the guy I got to clean the sex dungeon out, or I got to figure something out? Something there, are people going to be coming after me, you know? But the <sighs> guy went for the lawyer, you know, because the meat guy might a meat guy might not go have the wherewithal to think i should do something i should I was probably probably his girlfriend his wife said to him uh, maybe you should talk to a lawyer they gave it to you well and i mean it doesn't say he's on the line butchering meats or making making bologna or anything he, <laughs> i mean he might have been an administrator for all we know we don't know anything except for he had the wherewithal to say let's just wait, lay our options out as opposed to let's be a good person i mean this meat yeah, company might have been a shit house to work for anyway you know what? I'm not saying he's a bad person. He's operating in the gray area there. I am not saying he's a bad person either. He is taking upon himself to better himself in a manner that's, like you said, gray area. Gray area. Gray area. And then the lawyer was probably like, yeah, you don't know what? They gave you that money. They gave you, they wrote you a check. I mean, wouldn't you, you that think check. that that would have to be the case if he talked to a lawyer and said, do I have to give this back? Unless that's probably that's probably how it came about. Is he wasn't having going to have the lawyer to send his resignation. He talked to the lawyer and just said, "Do I have to give it back?" And the lawyer looked everything over and said, "You give me twenty thousand dollars, and no, you don't." Right, right. Because I mean, unless he had like a contract with the company, you know, if he had a contract with the company, that might be a different situation. Maybe, but like, yeah. they just cut him a check, and he's just like, I don't have to give this back. You gave me a check. But the, I don't know, man. That's a fucking strong move. I don't know. So that's a tough one, man. Morally, what's the moral, the moral obligation in this situation? And I also am a lot more likely to side on his, be on his side when it's a big corporation like that versus right. like, if I got overpaid by my boss, I would say, hey, dude, y'all overpaid me. Right. Because it's an individual that I know, but if it's this big corporation, and it, I, I'm assuming it's an international corporation to make that sort of oversight, eh, you know. And even if he has to fight it, even if he has to fight it, let's say, because I mean, a lot of these p people settle. You know, a lot of these yeah. companies, it's cheaper to settle anyway. Yeah. They, his lawyer might have said, let him come after you. Yeah. Maybe Keep they might just say, here, here's, you know, so he's making $500 a month. That means he's, or $500 a month. So he's making $6,000 a year. Fight it. You know, yeah. you got $180,000. Yeah, yeah, just buy the company. Or do something. Or just like, you know, let him come after you. Here, you, you put yep. me on retainer. And then even, you know, yeah, yeah, like you said, give him 50 grand, give the lawyer 50 grand to just kind of fight it. And then fuck away with $100,000. Yeah. 
We saw no, him. they're never going to see him again. He is out of the country for sure. They're probably not going to see him again, yeah. And they're probably, the, the, if it's a big enough company, they're probably going to be like, all right, it's enough already. You know, yeah. what are we going to, all right, just sell some more bologna. <laughs> what, what can we do here? Yeah. I mean, it's like, and just whoever's in the accounting department, just, you know, You're watch fired. those decimals, please. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for God's sakes, the decimals are, are making a big difference right now. You know? Wait, that's a pretty vast decimal error. Oh, vastest. I mean, that is like... Somebody was drunk. Somebody's, <laughs> somebody's <laughs> drunk on the job or drinking urine or who knows what. You know? What's your problem? Why'd you do this? I was high on urine. Sorry. I was in the middle, midst of a detox. Yeah. They ain't going to get much better than that, ladies and gentlemen. Ben Snoor's back. <laughs> ben Snoor is the best. If you go follow Ben Snoor, what are you doing with your life, guys? Go to instagram and follow ben snoor on instagram he's oh you always got a welcome you got you always have you always have an open invitation ben i love talking to you you're you're just love a, coming you're just, on you're you're a, you're a barrel of laughs barrel of fun and it's always good we'll do it we'll definitely do it again guys if you're listening to this podcast and you like to hear this podcast do me a favor i need you to go to wherever you listen to podcasts i need you to leave a review I need you to rate me five stars, leave a review. I need you to tell your friends. I am not doing Patreon, nor will I ever do Patreon. Don't worry about that. I'm not going to eat you up. Not that there's anything wrong with that. A for me. Feel go free. Buy a, go buy a Trojan horse knife, knife vice yeah. because I, I use one as well. It works phenomenally. And the big thing is it's intuitive to use. It's very easy to use. It, all of it makes sense. Tell these, tell our sponsors that you appreciate you using the products and, and all these guys, Maritime Knife Supply, Axe Wax, uh, Trojan Horse Forge, and uh, what else did I have? Axe Wax, Trojan Horse Forge, Maritime Knife Supply, and whoever else I forgot, I'm with you. I think I have four. I think I have four. Trojan Horse Forge. All right. Well, that's, with that ever it is, obviously, I'm a flea bag, and that's just the Total way it boat. is. And Total Boat, goddammit. Total Boat, baby. Don't forget about Total Boat. Guys, we'll see you next week. Ben, adios. Talk to you later. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. (laughs) 